a window. It's nice in Greece, and there's in Trumpeace. It's hot as hell in Philadelphia. Someone on the wall, put up a window. I say vote yes, vote yes, vote for independence. Someone on the wall, put up a window. I say vote yes, sit down, Good God, consider yourselves fortunate that you have John Adams to abuse. For no sane man would tolerate it! Welcome to This Week on Broadway for Sunday, October 2nd, 2022. My name is Matt Timonini, and on the broadcast today, I am joined by Peter Felicia and Michael Portantier. Peter Felicia is a playwright, journalist, and historian with a number of books. His latest book, The Book of Broadway Musical Debates, Disputes, and Disagreements, is now available and can be purchased wherever finer books are sold. Peter also has columns at Masterworks Broadway, Broadway Select, Encore Monthly, and many other places. I guess the question is, Peter, can it also be found where not so fine of books are sold? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Look for those red light district stores. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think there, are, <laughs> there are very few of those left in the city. Oh, is that right? <laughs> I think so. Oh, oh, I had no idea. Um, anyway, uh, if indeed um, you were around on Tuesday, October 18th, at 7.30, uh, we're doing a, a signing at the Drama Bookshop. Oh, wonderful. Uh, so so um, we'll be doing that. And um, I look forward to seeing people uh, who I haven't seen before and uh, people I know well. So um, I hope that happens. Wonderful. Um, you have also already heard the dulcet tones of Michael Portantier. He is a theater <laughs> reviewer and essayist. He is the founder and editor of CastAlbumReviews.com. He is also a theatrical photographer whose photos have appeared in the New York Times and other major publications. You can see his photography work at FollowSpotPhoto.com. I guess we didn't mention that you were also an MC producer and actor, <laughs> which we are going to get into uh, on mm-hmm. this week's show. Michael, mm-hmm. you've had a, a quite a busy last week or so. Yes, I was, uh, as we've mentioned, I played Harry the Horse in a production of Guys and Dolls on Staten Island. And then I must be out of my mind because two days later, <laughs> I uh, hosted uh, a show that I produced at 54 Below uh, called Bernstein on Broadway. And I have to say it went really, really well. We had a fantastic cast singing songs from Leonard Bernstein's Broadway musicals. Uh, we had Alex Getlin, Megan Sterna, Samantha Rose Cardenas, uh, Nikita Burstein, Ben Jones, Jay Aubrey Jones, and Albert Neltrop with the fantastic Matthew Martin Ward at the piano. And we had the incredible honor of having Cheetah Rivera as a special guest. And she came on at the end and we did a little Q&A on stage. And then she sang uh, somewhere with us, which... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, while we were singing somewhere, the, the, uh, Samantha Rose Cardenas started it uh, with there's a place for us and Cheetah was sitting next to her. And as she started singing, Cheetah stroked her cheek. Uh, and I thought I thought she was going to lose it. Uh, and then also then at the end, when we were singing, hold my hand and we're halfway there, Cheetah took my hand. So uh, that was another moment. Of course. But, good point. Uh, speaking of 54 Below, mm-hmm. um, on October 16th, 
is going to be um, a concert of Dude, the 50th, oh, anniversary, uh, 50th oh, anniversary, wow. um, <laughs> um, of Dude has happened. Um, I came to the city to see it. It was one of the many previews that was canceled, uh, and I didn't wind up seeing it. I think the music is terrific. It's by Galt McDermott, and um, the, eventually a couple of albums were made. Uh, one was Salome Bay, uh, simply singing songs. The other one uh, with a cast. I'm not saying the original cast necessarily. I think a few members did um, show up there, but including uh, Ralph Carter, who's going to be in this one. Now, you may recall Ralph Carter was mm-hmm. in the musical Raisin and then was in the TV series Good Times to the point to which at the end of every episode, they actually said, thank you producers of Raisin for letting us have uh, Ralph Cotter. Words to that effect. That wasn't the actual thing. But um, anyway, he's coming back to do it. He's been a minister or something like that um, during the last many decades, but um, he's coming back to do it. Margaret Hall, who I met yesterday, mm-hmm. um, you know, yes and no, because it was through Zoom, but um, we had our first Drama Desk Nominators meeting, and she's on the committee this year. Um, she's the one who wrote that book, about, about, or at least contributed, I don't know. Um, she the Jim and Yanni book. Yanni yeah. book, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, young woman, uh, only 24, um, amazingly accomplished and um, going to do more as time goes on. I'm 100% certain. But she's the one who engineered this. And I think it's really terrific that um, we're going to have people here, dude. In, in this book that you talked about, Matt, that I just wrote, um, when I talked about unsung overtures, ones that people never hear, I put dude in as one of the five that I thought was terrific. I think it's an mm. amazing overture. I think the songs are terrific. Whatever it wound up being on stage, who knows? Well, some know, but uh, only 16 performances worth of people know and a few more previews. But um, I wasn't the people who knew, even though I tried to be. <laughs> Sometimes our best efforts are are, are thoroughly oh, yeah. thwarted by the oh, theatrical yeah. gods. But Oh, indeed. How many times? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, that kind of sounds like a, the story of a modern Shakespearean tale. And, and Peter, you saw a production of a Shakespeare classic this week. You saw... Uh, as you like it at Playhouse 71. So why don't you let us know your thoughts on on that one? Well, the reason I really went had a lot to do with the fact that we had just seen that musical version uh, in uh, Shakespeare in the Park, the Delacorte Theater, the public theater production. And it really wasn't as you like. It was terrific. I went twice. I mean, uh, there's nothing wrong with what uh, Shana Taub did or anything like that. But I thought um, I'd time to brush up and see exactly how close or how far away uh, this um, adaptation. This that one really should have been called "As You Like It: Colon the Musical." I mean, it's amazing to me it wasn't because that's really what it was. It had um, uh, it did a lot of uh, fooling around and cutting and what have you. So let's let's see the real "As You Like It," and this is by the Frog and Peach Theater Company. And while there were a couple of frogs in the cast, there were many more peaches. Uh, it really was. Um, uh, a very nice production, uh, still going, uh, by Linnea Benson. Um, and, um, of course, any um, production of As You Like It rises and falls on Rosalind, uh, who has a very difficult role. And um, Amy Francis Quint, terrific in it. All right, you know, uh, like every uh, As You Like It, you're never convinced that the uh, Rosalind, when she's supposed to be Ganymede, is really a man. But um, she did her best, and uh, and it's better than many I've seen. Um, dating back a long time. Also important is uh, Orlando, of course, and uh, Kyle Primack. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. This young man has quite the future ahead of him. Endearing, charming. Um, 
I, I, I bet nobody else thought this. And uh, this is one of the things people are going to say, what? When they go see it. But I don't know, he reminded me of young Elvis in a way. So um, I thought he was terrific. Yep. Of course, we have um, uh, Queen Frederica um, and uh, Queen Senior. And what was really something is for a second, I thought there was doubling for a second, only a second. I said, no, no, those are two different. Areas. But my point is they looked a lot alike and it's really quite nice, you know, considering that one is uh, is in exile, but she's the sister of the other one. So um, Vivian Landau and, and Ange Bernot were really, really quite wonderful. You know, sometimes you see an actor who is just so natural, just wonderfully natural and, 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 and no pretensions about it no i am acting oh i have to do this part no 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 um and in um audrey a country wench um jexa Izazari uh did that so well and she is truly a natural and i was delighted and i want to see her time and time again um eric dodge's touchstone hilarious uh and of course there are songs and as you like it uh, even before she had the job got there. So uh, Ted Zierkowski did them, and they're delightful, wonderfully sung, a terrific cast. Um, this is a Playhouse 71. I haven't been there in a long time. I don't think they've done things in a long time there. I saw Good Time Charlie there, ironically enough. Um, so anyway, it's on 71st Street. 152 is the actual address. Um, you go down a steep and very narrow stairway, and you will get there. Uh -huh. And um, it's uh, don't look for scenic effects like most Shakespeare and productions uh, there's no scenery to speak of but nevertheless what you will get if you're in the mood to see as you like it you will get a solid production and uh, i am delighted that i attended yeah this one appears to be running through october 23rd so you still have uh, you know three weeks or so to uh, to make your way up to 71st to see that that sounds fantastic i'm always excited about these companies in these small theaters if if you haven't gone to see a show at at um playhouse 71 in a long time I, it's certainly not on uh, everybody's radar but to hear no. that you go and and see a show there from maybe a company you're not familiar with or at a theater you're not familiar with it really does remind you that there is so much great theater happening in and around yeah, new york that's yeah. not just broadway and the major off-broadway companies Precisely. oh yeah Oh, yeah. You know, I always thought, I know it's very hard for um, people to take this advice, but I always say to people when um, they come to New York, tourists, you know, yeah, of course you want to see the Broadway shows, but sneak in an off-Broadway show. I, I know a lot of people say, no, no, no. I mean, I'm, it, it's usually a case that I'm there for like three days and I want to see five shows and I really cannot make one of those shows an off-off-Broadway show. But you should have the experience. Um, there's something really magical about off-off-Broadway. Um, it, the, the guts, the grit, um, it, it's, it's something to see. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm luckier, of course, needless to say, for, for good reason. But um, still, um, I'm not, yeah, to be frank, I'm not sure I would have taken this advice when I was living in Boston and coming to New York on those precious trips. But think about it. That's all I'll say. To me, it's kind of similar to patronizing a, a, a local mom and pop restaurant as opposed to a mm -hmm. franchise. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, very good point. You know, it's kind of in a way <laughs> uh, similar that you don't, I mean, it's great to see, you know, to, to see the big, the big guns and, and it's understandable that everyone wants to, but also those things will wind up touring. 
you know. And, and you'll save a little money, too. Yeah. yeah. In, in some cases, depending on which off-Broadway theaters you go to, maybe not. But uh, I am getting ready. I'm coming up uh, in, oh, in one month at the beginning of November and then in two months at the beginning of December. So I'm putting together my schedule. So maybe uh, at the end of the episode, if you either of you know anything that's coming up that might not be on my radar uh, uh-huh. for the rest uh-huh. of the year, maybe we can throw that in. But sure. speaking of theaters happening, not – uh, on Broadway and not even <laughs> off Broadway, but actually on Staten Island, Michael. Yeah. Um, uh, we were dying to hear about how Guys and Dolls went, and apparently this cast party was an epic adventure. So, oh, is that uh, right? I don't know. You, he just said it went wonderfully, <laughs> oh, so I'm, I'm excited oh. to hear. So, tell us first about the uh, production, and then if there was any debauchery happening at cast <laughs> parties afterwards. Well, you know, I'm a, I'm kind of a uh, early evening person. So if, if anything happened, it was after I left, you know, uh-huh. which, which, you know, maybe would be typical, <laughs> but <laughs> no, but it was a lovely uh, cast party hosted by one of our cast members, Corey Loftus in his beautiful home on Staten Island. Um, and as for the show, uh, I mean, honestly, everyone just really seemed to love it. Uh, and, and Peter was kind enough to come. And when I, we were taking the ferry home afterwards, uh, the two of us with our friend Kevin McInerney. We also, aside from what they had to say about the production, we really focused on how they they just don't write shows like that anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, the brilliance of Frank Lesser mm-hmm. to be able to write music and lyrics at that level. Mm-hmm. Uh, even just look at the opening number, Fugue for Tin Horns. Mm-hmm. You know, it's this song about, about these three like kind of low life gangsterish uh, horse player dice playing guys mm-hmm. you know singing a fugue <laughs> about um about you know what horses they want to pick for the you know for upcoming races uh because they're you know they're they've been on the horses and it's so natural uh it just sounds so natural uh it, it must be hard to write for characters like that uh, you know, singing and to make it not sound ridiculous, but mm. it's absolutely brilliant. Mm. And you look mm. at those lyrics and they're just so clever and funny. And and the whole show is like that as far as I'm concerned. So I'm not surprised that I, I've always thought of Guys and Dolls as one of those shows that people love, even if they don't like they say they don't like musicals. Right. Uh, right. That's right. Yeah. 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 Uh, and, you know, and as we mentioned, it is about to be done uh, very, very soon at the Kennedy Center. Uh, yeah. And I got score tickets, uh, press tickets for opening night. How with, nice. Um, yeah, with Jesse Mueller as Adelaide and Philip Basu as Sarah and Stephen Pasquale, Philip Basu's recent husband, uh, I mean, current husband, recently married, um, as uh, Sky Masterson and James, husband. And James, <laughs> yeah, right. And James Monroe Eagleheart, I think that's her, who has I been a guest on, on our podcast as Nathan Detroit. Uh, so, um, and of course, we hear rumors of. Uh, the hopeful Broadway transfer mm-hmm. of that. And I wouldn't be surprised if it happens because unfortunately, as we have also discussed yeah. recently, the yeah. last Broadway revival was yeah. not good. Yeah. Misguided. Not, yeah. not good. Yeah. 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 And yeah. I, I, we mentioned it on today on Broadway, I guess it was this week or whenever they made the announcement, the, the, the rest of the, the ensemble cast is great as well with Kevin Chamberlain playing nicely, nicely Johnson yes. and uh, Ra- Rachel Dratch playing big Julie, which I think yeah, is yeah. fantastic. <laughs> Casting Fred Applegate as uncle Arvide. Um, it's really a, a, a great cast. And as they always do at the 
Kennedy Center with these Broadway Center stage productions. They they get the best of the best. And uh, I'm really excited for James Oglehart to get the opportunity to do this show uh, at Kennedy Center, because I think if you might remember, they did a production of Little Shop a few years ago, and he was slated to be the voice of Audrey, too. And he had to back out when it was announced that his uh, wife was diagnosed with cancer. So he, the fact that he's able to go back and oh. to do a show at the Kennedy Center like this, and I haven't heard the transfer rumors, but I would love it. As we've talked about before, all three of us have a history with uh, with guys and dolls, and especially Harry the Horse. So I would love to see uh, to see this production make a a trip up to New York, so I get a chance to see it. So, well, for this production of Guys and Dolls, I actually auditioned for Big Julie because oh. I thought, well, you know, they they may not have with Big Julie. You have to go one of two ways. You That's either right. have to have somebody who's really really big you know, or the opposite. Uh, and I thought, well, maybe they won't have someone like, you know, who's really big. And, and so they'll cast me, but they, they wound up having this fantastic <laughs> <A big> guy. <laughs> a very uh, big guy. Yes. But you're right. You know, I mean, really, uh, it, that happens all the time. There are so many times in the past, people used to call fat people tiny, you know, that type of thing. And right. big could also be the same reason the sky is named Sky. He bets big. Right. You know, he doesn't have to be big. So mm-hmm. uh, a production of the only thing happened on the way to the forum that Jeff Sweet always talks about an excellent playwright um, is one where M- Miles Gloriosus, who scares the, uh, everybody to death, uh, nevertheless was a pipsqueak. So uh, he said it was so hilarious when this little person came on, you know, everybody had been so afraid of. So uh, but he had the power. So that's well, when I heard that Rachel Drash was cast, I laughed at just that the the yeah. idea of the cast. Sure. So sure. I think that, and I love her. I mean, I thought she was just great in uh, POTUS. Well, POTUS, yeah. I was going <laughs> to say, yeah. Um, she she was just great in that, and I will love seeing her as Big Julie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, not to take too much of a uh, a strange turn. I'm sure I could make some sort of segue here uh, with maybe Philippa Sue having come straight from Into the Woods and make uh-huh. that my Sondheim <laughs> connection. Um, but Peter, you wanted to talk about a new album from Jeff Harner that is kind of chronicling his life through the works of Stephen Sondheim. Uh, it's called I Know Things Now, My Life in Sondheim's Words. And um, I, I I think of all the albums involving Sondheim I've ever heard, this is the most fascinating one. Okay. Mm. Arthur Lawrence uh, once said that Sondheim songs are like little one-act plays. Actually, they're more so now with Jeff's uh, new album. He He mixes and matches this song and that one and really makes genuine playlists out of them. They That's what they really are now. I know things now starts it with a very jazzy bent. Uh, the arrangements, um, I have to say, I'll interrupt myself to talk about the arrangements, um, which he was part of. But um, John Weber, who also uh, conducted and um, orchestrated as well, they're not business as usual arrangements by any stretch of any imagination. They really um, go into different ways of um, handling the material. And I know things now starts with a jazzy bent that shows he's glad he's learned that he knows things now. Yeah, there's there's a bit of regret in the way we usually hear it. And, uh, but, uh, and well, you know, you have to learn the ropes, that type of thing. Here's this really a genuine good. I'm glad I learned that. That's the tone that's here. And now he wants more. And that brings in more, the song from Dick Tracy, which has one of Sondheim's greatest lines at the end. Many of us <laughs> know this song as well as the others because it comes from a movie. Mm-hmm. More is better than nothing. And nothing is better than more. That's a great line. So anyway, 
Um, and then at the end, uh, after hearing I Know Things Now, a chorus comes in and sings, and a little bit not, as a word of caution, which is kind of interesting, too. Um, in Old Friends, how does he make the lyric through the revolving door make you see the revolving door in your eye? It's, it's, it's amazing how that happens. Uh, the best thing that ever um, has happened, which I think we might all agree is Sondheim's last beautiful song. Um, and many of us can say that about Sondheim, can't we? That it was the best thing that ever happened to musical theater. But anyway, um, it's so nice to hear this song, which a lot of people have missed because um, it was in Roadshow, which never had a Broadway airing, and um, that limited around the public. And sure, you know, it's, it's been on two albums, the Bounce album, uh, where it was distinctly different in interpretation from the um, Roadshow album. But, oh, it's a beautiful song, and Jeff Harner does it such justice. Oh, um, by the way, Harner ran his ideas be, by Sondheim mm. before the recording. And uh, 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 if we take him at his word, and I, I will, um, he said, Sondheim said, I love the changes you've made. So this is really sanctioned. And that includes uh, live alone and liking it. Uh, all right, live alone and liking it. Why are you living alone and liking it? Because the person you're talking about could drive a person crazy. <laughs> in fact, a very amusing stress on a certain word in that song. Uh, different line readings, different interpretations that make you pause and say, yes, it could be taken that way. Is Send in the Clowns there? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But there's another surprise, because here are the lyrics that Sondheim specifically wrote for Barbara Streisand when she called up and said, I don't get it. What are you saying? Um, <laughs> leave it to Streisand to do that. <laughs> leave it to the rest of us not. <laughs> so although although it's meant to be all Sondheim music and lyrics, the album, um, here the quick insertion of a few lyrics for which Sondheim only wrote the words. It's amusing. It's not a little bit lumpy, and it certainly rings. So, so these are more than medleys. Um, you can only imagine how much thought, when you, once you hear it, you can only imagine how much thought went into this by John Weber and, of course, Jeff Harner. So congratulations to both and lucky for us. I have not heard the album yet, but I reported on the show when I saw it live uh, a few months ago at the Laurie Beachman Theater at the West Bank Cafe. And I completely second everything Peter said. It's, uh, as I said at the time, it's re it really makes you hear all of these songs as if for the first time, mm -hmm. because one one thing he does, as Peter indicated, is he'll be singing a song, say you could drive a person crazy and, you know, you're hearing it and you can't help, you know, if we know the songs as well as so many of us do, anticipating the lyric that's about to come. Mm -hmm. But then he'll switch to another song and, and sing three lines from another song and then switch to another song and sing two or three lines from that. And because it's not what you expect, it, it, it's really as if you, you, you suddenly you're almost shocked to hear something else. And it, it removes the anticipation and the uh, and the familiarity to an extent. And and it's it's brilliant to do that. I, I don't think I've ever quite seen or heard anyone do that before. And it's done so well. They, they, they obviously put a lot of work into it, both of those gentlemen. Mm -hmm. uh, and, 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 you know, I'm, I'm so happy that it was recorded to have a record of what they mm -hmm. did, uh, mm -hmm. you know, a professionally recorded record of what they did, because uh, I thought all of those arrangements and 
little meldings and medley, mini medleys or whatever you would call them. I thought they were absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I I have not heard this, but I'm looking forward to it. I we had Jeff Harner on the podcast back in January talking about his Cy Coleman album, uh, and I loved listening through that mm. before I talked with him. So uh, very much going to seek this one out uh, maybe today as I drive over from Orlando to Titusville <laughs> to see uh, uh, a production of Ain't Misbehaving that I'm going to see on Sunday afternoon. So maybe I'll listen to a little Sondheim on the way out there. And um, speaking of sending the clowns, if I yeah, could, I was going to ask, yeah, yeah, if I could provide this segue, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I uh, just randomly I was on YouTube and and found not one but two clips of Glynis Johns in well singing from a little night music that I did not know existed before. Uh, there's a brief but incredibly beautiful clip of her in the original production. Uh, of little night, night music singing "Send in the Clowns," uh, and uh, we've sent that that link along with another clip uh, of not from the original production, but some years later's uh, performance somewhere of Glynis and Ed Ivanko uh, performing "You Must Meet My Wife." Uh, so I think that to me those are two two very special things because, as I say, I did not know they existed, especially not the clip from the actual original production and it you know it will make you yearn for the whole thing but it's it's uh-huh. just a, you know, a wonderful beautiful little taste of what that must have been like to experience that performance in that production yeah i'm I'm looking at it now so we will have that in the uh in the show notes if you want to check out those videos um another video that i'll probably throw in the show notes uh comes from good morning america and peter has specifically avoided uh, this mm-hmm. clip. So this will be a spoiler warning. Not that there's much to spoil in a show that everybody listening to this knows incredibly well. But mm-hmm. the new Broadway revival cast of 1776 performed the song Sit Down on Good Morning America. We talked about it on today on Broadway earlier. Oh, maybe we didn't. Uh, I can't remember <laughs> if we did or not. I talked about it with somebody, but I can't remember if it was on air because, you know, <laughs> oh, I understand that. <laughs> yeah. You say things and you don't remember where or to whom oh, you said them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's interesting because we've heard a lot about this show over the years. This has been a production that's been in the works since before the pandemic had its out of town tryout at uh, ART in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And after its Broadway run will then go on tour. It is an all um, woman and non-binary production. So it is not the traditional 1776 that we grew up listening to the original cast album for, or the movie, or perhaps saw, uh, the encores production with, uh, Santino Fontana a few years ago. It is a different interpretation. And I have seen a production, uh, that was all women here in Orlando and there's a connection. Oh, really? with the Yeah. And it, it was wonderful. It was fascinating, but it was still, Pretty much the same 1776, um, maybe a little transpositions in there. Uh, but this, what we've seen in this Good Morning America clip, and obviously people who saw it in Cambridge um, know this better than anybody. But this is a very different 1776, I thought, Michael, just in the arrangements and both the yeah. music and the vocal arrangements. I, I know that perhaps a lot of, of traditionalists and 1776 diehard lovers, which I consider myself, um, might not love it. But I personally found the new arrangements pretty thrilling. Are you saying that the one you saw in Florida was pretty much the original uh, arrangements? I it's, think so. It's, and I orchestrations, mean, it, it struck you that way anyway? Yeah, I mean, I didn't, uh, I'm sure that there was something done, and I'm not a musical expert, so I don't, I wouldn't necessarily be able to pick out the little idiosyncr- idiosyncrasies right. that they changed, but for the most part, it was the same 
score that I grew up knowing. I would think they would they might have to change some of the keys, yes, but, but they could still yeah. keep the yeah the arrangements as originally written. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what were your what were your thoughts on uh, on that Good Morning America performance, Michael? Well, uh, I, I rather than share my thoughts, I, I I would just say that it's interesting to me that. Um, but not surprising that there were very, very passionate reactions to it, pro and con. And uh, and then people get into the discussion of, well, uh, are you know, should one, quote unquote, judge a show based on promo clips? And I say, well, of course, they can't judge the, the entire show. But when people do promo clips like that, they they (laughs) that's the point. point. Yeah. I mean, they're putting out what it is and and they want a reaction to it. And of course, the reaction is not always going to be positive. So I think it's fine to, you know, to react to something positively or negatively, as long as one recognizes that it's not the same as seeing the production. Sure. And I think that that actually goes into a lot larger conversation of something that I saw happening quite a bit on social media this past week with Mm. the release of uh, the highlights from this new cast of Into the Woods. Uh, I think a lot of us enjoyed and I'll speak for myself, um, you know, when I saw Heather Headley do it at Encores, I was enraptured by her different choices uh, from the witch that I've never seen before. And then I enjoyed so much of the rest of that cast. And then when it was the original cast on Broadway, I really enjoyed. Um, But then with these new clips, I think that there were different choices that were even highlighted in this package. But the one that got the most conversation, uh, Mm -hmm. so you will say, is Stephanie J. Block's Mm -hmm. uh, kind of raspy belt on... um, uh, is was it? It was in moments in the woods. I don't remember. It justifies. Uh, it justifies the beans. Um, and people mm-hmm. again were concerned that it was one, perhaps not the best note that Stephanie is ever saying, but also was not what we were used to hearing from that point in the song. And I think you're absolutely right, Michael. If if the the show decides to put that out or decides to do a performance on a national television show. Of course, it is free game to talk about that clip, but it is just a clip or it is just a performance right. outside of the context of the entire show. I, Like I said, I saw it at Encores. I saw it with this original Broadway cast. I am coming, as I mentioned earlier, back to the city in November. I have a ticket to see this new cast because I am nothing if not consistent and a completist. But uh, <laughs> I think that there is certainly something to be said about the importance of these clips in terms of the marketing, but also into how different groups and subsets of theater fans react to shows because of them. Right. Um, I saw um, a reading um, of 1776 with women, all women in Kansas city many moons ago, maybe 20 years ago. Uh, But it didn't uh, play around with it in um, any specific way. They did the show straight and what they did, they all had them uh, outfitted in black, uh, same uh, costume, and they stood at music stands, and they had red and blue scarves. So when mm. they changed from <laughs> uh, nays to yays, uh, they went from red to blue. It was it was fine, you know. But there was a, a concert like that doesn't involve a, a certain type of realism. You don't go in with expectations of realism sure. or anything like that. So it's a very different thing. Sure. Um, but uh, 
when you say, uh, and you weren't incorrect, Matt, I did tell you that I, I've been um, purposely not seeing it. It isn't a case that I'm dreading it. I don't oh, want no, that no, to no. Be, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, of course. I, I, I don't want that to be the um, what people take from this. I just want to be totally surprised. Um, I've tried to avoid um, anybody telling me very uh, specific things about it. I have heard one thing about it that I think is atrocious. But anyway, we shall see what we shall see. <laughs> Uh, I I will also note that the production I saw of it, uh, I guess six years ago, a little over six years ago here in Orlando, did feature um, an actress named Lulu Pickart as uh, Edward Rutledge. Um, Coincidentally, or perhaps not so much, she is playing Samuel Chase in the Broadway production. So um, very fun that she goes from one role in an all woman version yeah. of 1776 to another. Um, but I'm excited to see that I'm, I've, I am efforting as they say to get her on the podcast to talk about her journey um, with the show from there. Um, so I, I mentioned the fact that I will be coming up to town twice in the next few months before the end of the year. It was one of those things where um, I, I rate, depending on what seasons are available and what shows are coming up, I have been known to subscribe to different theater companies just because I like supporting them and I like their seasons, uh, even though I do not live in town. That makes for some interesting travel arrangements since there are certain shows that I want to see. Um, So I'm coming up from uh, November 5th. uh, No, I'm sorry, November 4th through the 12th and then December, I believe, 2nd through the 10th. Um, I have a few tickets here or there that were the reasons for me coming. But I wondered from either of you if there is anything throughout the rest of the year that I need to see, that listeners need to see that aren't – well, and even if they are, if there is something even coming to Broadway, one of the major uh, off-Broadway companies that you think is something that – uh, either can't miss or if you have a certain proclivities and things that you enjoy um, that you should see or and or avoid. Um, I'm open to suggestions as my <laughs> spreadsheet has lots of holes still in it that need to be filled. The one that I think um, has the best potential is Some Like It Hot. Um, I trust those guys, um, Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman. I, I, I think they know exactly what to do. I've had so many discussions with young people about hairspray. I say, oh, I love hairspray. Oh, hairspray is great. And I always say to them, do you like your timeless to me? And many of them say, oh, I hate that song. Yeah, okay. because it doesn't sound like the rest of the school, but I can't. It's, it's not supposed to. This is these two um, older people reminiscing uh, about their lives in one way or another and what's happened to them. The music they have has to be music of the 40s. And mm-hmm. that's exactly what their music is. Yeah. So um, I do believe that um, they, uh, this team will do a very good job in coming up with a score that's going to sound right for the era, which is something I really like. So, um, so that's the one that I'm really, really looking forward to. And I think it's going to be very good. What, I, were, your, what were your thoughts on um, Catch Me If You Can, which is a show that – I actually really enjoyed the Broadway production of it. I know it was not nearly as popular as Hairspray, but uh, at least from the I saw it on Broadway. But the cast album was one that I continue to return to even mm. decade or so later. Has it already been a decade? Oh, at least at least <laughs> oh, at this point. It's God. probably been 12, 13 years or something. Yeah. 
Oh, that Unchained Melody song that says time goes by so slowly lies to us. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. That's un- unbelievable. Um, the catchphrase, I, if you can, I think was uh, killed by its concept. Uh, the idea is yeah. supposed to be like a TV show. Mm. But uh, the score itself, I think, is very good, especially Butter Out of Cream, which I thought was the best song of the year and beautifully orchestrated. Was it Larry Blank? I think it was um, beautifully orchestrated. Uh, so, yeah, they did their job well. I, I, I think the conception let them out. And it's always hard to have any sympathy for somebody who's a real rogue like that um a a movie sort of feels like a documentary in a way while you know a a musical does not so uh as a result i think uh it it wasn't a a property that was really ripe for musicalization but they did their job well yeah my favorite song was uh goodbye i think that's an absolute absolute showstopper yeah. It sure is. Yeah. And it was, I'm looking, uh, Larry Blank, along with Mark Shaman, did the orchestrations, and it did run from March 11th of 2011 through September 4th of 2011. So it's been 11 years uh, since that show was on Broadway. Uh, but Whoa. Michael, I, I interrupted you. You were going to, I don't know if mentioned another show or something else about Hairspray. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, you specifically asked about Off-Broadway, so I wish I could think of one, but I haven't looked that that far ahead. Yeah. Uh, but I will say I am really, really looking forward to Death of a Salesman. Uh-huh. And I, I, I may have mentioned that um, uh, Andre DeShields and I now live in the same building. Uh, so I see him quite frequently on the elevator or on the street. And we were talking the other day and uh, he pointed out, oh, by the way, before I forget, tomorrow night, um, I believe they're doing a uh, talk at the Schomburg Center, he and the uh, the other leads of the show. Uh, so if anyone uh, can make that, it's uh, I believe it's the, the 92nd Street Y is uh, is producing it, but it's at the Schomburg Center in Harlem. Uh, I can't make it. But uh, that sounds like something that would be really worth attending. And uh, one thing Andre said uh in response to something I said, is that he said, you know, people are talking about this uh, as the all black death of a salesman. He said, but only the Loman family are black. Oh, yes. Oh, and okay. and I said and I said, yes. And that can make can make for some really interesting interactions, because, for example, um, Willie's boss, the one who fires him will be white, mm. but also Willie's best friend and really only friend, Mm -hmm. his neighbor, Charlie, um, will also be white. So uh, that, you know, hopefully will show that, (laughs) you know, not all white people are the devil uh, and Mm -hmm. and and that there are good, good and bad people of every Mm -hmm. race, which I would think would not need to be said. Mm -hmm. uh, But sometimes it's good to repeat that. And uh, he was very excited about the fact that it is, uh, uh, you know, a mixed race cast in that sense. And I, I, I can understand why I, I think that's going to make it all the more interesting. Um, Matt, um, <clears throat> were you a fan of that um, TV series called Stranger Things, a uh, Netflix series? Uh, I, I watched the first season and I really enjoyed it, uh, but I have not caught up on it afterwards just because there is a glut of things to catch up on but i enjoyed it It, it's it's uh something that is still remains on my list yes okay because there is stranger sings the parody musical (laughs) that's at um that's at playhouse 46 uh which used to be saint luke's and um a, a young man named jonathan hogue wrote book music and lyrics and 
understand i have never seen an episode of this show this to me was going to uh, like titanic um where i had forgotten the movie and i knew nothing about celine dion um i went to see how the audience was reacting and they were reacting tremendously <laughs> so if indeed you're uh, uh, this is not just a math this is everybody out there if you're a fan of that series apparently Jonathan Hogue did his job really, really well in catching the essence of what should be parodied and what uh, should be in there. I will also point out that um, Ashley Marinelli, who did the choreography, did a tremendous job um, in a very small space, a very small space. This is now configured. This is the second time I've been, it's the second time um, that I've seen the same configuration. So I imagine that um, this is the way it's going to be, even though it's technically a black box, it's theater in the square. Um, as much as Max Bialystok tells you that's not workable, mm-hmm. uh, the, here it is, uh, theater in the square. And um, so they don't have much room to play around, but boy, do they play around. But what a talented young cast, um, just terrific. So uh, if indeed you are a fan of this series, I don't think you'll be disappointed based on the audience reaction that I um, experienced. Yeah, as, as I said about Titanic, same type of thing. It's not just the people were laughing, but at the end of a joke, they would clap their hands as if to say, boy, that is so on target. It's one thing to get laughs, but when you get that clap of hands of uh, validation, that's that's another um, really tremendous, tremendous mark of achievement. And so, uh, so there I sat, um, essentially stone-faced, um, but enjoying the fact that the cast was so wonderful, the choreography was so wonderful. Um, Nick Filato, directed, did a very fine job as well. But um, really, this cast of about uh, eight people did an astonishing job. And so um, fans get there. Yeah, I saw Titanic having not, I mean, thought much about uh, Titanic in decades, and I loved it as well. So, um, so that's great. So I will have these on my list. I'll also throw links into the show notes for all of these if anybody wants to see them. So far on my list, I have four shows for November. I have uh, the new musical Only Gold at MCC. I have the uh, City Center Encore's gala production of Parade. I have what is now technically the closing performance of A Raisin in the Sun at the Public, although mm. I would not be surprised if they end up extending. And I have uh, my return trip to the woods at the St. James. Uh, and then for no for December, two of the things that are not at the best, most opportune time for travel uh, into the city because it's the beginning of December and, and Christmas season. But I could not miss uh, A Man of No Importance at Classic Stage and Merrily We Roll Along at New York Theater Workshop. So uh, so those are what I have tickets for already. And I will obviously be filling in my schedule with many, many other things, uh, including a lot of these that you both mentioned. So looking forward to that. Uh, All right, Peter, let's get into this week's trivia question by first uh, going over the answer for last week's question. (laughs) Last week's question, there are songs and musicals whose titles are grammatically incorrect. Ain't Got No from Hair, Her Is from The Pajama Game, I'll Learn Ya from Let It Ride. And yet, one song from a world-famous musical, a song that didn't make it into the film version, made a grammatical error by the omission of a single letter. What's the song? From what musical does it come? I'm talking about It's a Scandal, It's a Outrage from Oklahoma is missing the Mm. N on the article. Whenever A is before a word that starts with a vowel, it must be an. Thus, It's an Outrage is correct. Paul Witte was the first to get it, followed by Tony Janicki, who admitted that he overslept. 
Wake up, wake up, you sleepyhead. Get up, get out, get out of bed. They were followed by Deb Popple, Josh Israel, Brigadude, Ingrid Gammerman, Fred Abramowitz, and Michael Potantier. Right? You got it too, didn't you? Yep. Yep. All well right. Done. <laughs> Credit where it's due. All right. This week's question. If you said January 9th, 1911, to the title character of a 1950s Tony losing musical, you wouldn't quite answer the question she had about her life, but you'd have given her a hint. Why? <laughs> I have no idea. I, yeah. I don't I don't know. Yeah. Have oh, to these think about that one. <laughs> uh, these I, are impossible. Yeah. <laughs> I, how what is your process of coming up with the questions, Peter? I, I imagine I've said this before, but uh, there's a guy named Bill James who says every second of his life, he's thinking about baseball. He has yep. a million baseball books out. And uh, every second of my life, this is what I think of. So uh, <laughs> uh, things occur to me. Um, and uh, this sounds like a blatant plug, but um, I have mentioned that uh, all these questions and many more are being put together in a book uh, called uh, Brain Teasers for Broadway Geniuses that will be out next year. So, uh, <laughs> and uh, it will be dedicated to uh, the people who most answer these questions because, boy, they amaze me every week. Yeah. Um, I'm going to confess and say that one time I put down a question that I didn't put down the answer to. And when I read it over, I didn't know what it was. <laughs> <laughs> I had to ask Tony Janicki. I said, Listen, do you think this question is a little too hard? Should I ask? He said, No, no, it's easy. Like two seconds later, he answered the question. I mean, really. So, <laughs> so <laughs> these people are amazing. They really are. Well, if, if anybody is the Bill James of musical theater trivia, it would be you. Bill James is the icon who started the sabermetrics uh, evolution right. yeah. in baseball and yeah. uh, is really reinvented the game. But. You bet. Uh, so if people uh, know the answer to this question, and if you do, good for you, um, <laughs> send the answers to trivia at broadwayradio.com. Uh, all right, Michael, what are our musical moments for today's episode? Uh, they are from two, uh, well, relatively, relatively, uh, I don't want to say obscure, uh, recordings of 1776 the opener is sit down john from the 1970 london cast album which i think that one is really quite rare uh and it features lewis flander as john adams uh uh the show was not a success in london as maybe that's not a big surprise <laughs> given this given the subject matter uh, but it sounds like it was a terrific production and it, it's fun to hear um, the chorus singing with British accents, which when you think about it in 1776, yeah, yeah, sure. I imagine it would be close. So it's funny to hear uh, it's 90 degrees. Have mercy, John, please. You know, it's really kind of cute. Yeah. Or um, uh, are you a patriot or a lover? Are you a patriot or a lover? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and the closer is, uh, is the from the 1997 Broadway revival cast recording with Brent Spiner mm -hmm. uh, singing Is Anybody There? That's the, actually the recording that first introduced me to 1776. Uh -huh. uh -huh. that, was, that was at the time when I was first diving into a, a sure. recently newly found love of musical theater uh -huh. and, uh, and that was one that, that I stumbled across somehow. I don't even remember how, but uh, that's what was my introduction and on-ramp to the show. So I'm looking forward to listening to that again. Mm -hmm. 
All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of This Week on Broadway. We appreciate uh, your listening. If you would like to be a part of our, I guess we can call it a studio audience here on our recordings, head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash patreon. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. Have a wonderful week, whether you are going to the theater or just obsessively thinking about the theater like Peter obviously (laughs) is. uh, And we will talk to you next week. See the rays of ravishing light and glory. Is anybody there? Does anybody care? Does anybody see what I see? I see fireworks. I see the pageant and pomp and parade. I hear the bells ringing out. I hear the cannons roar. I see Americans, all Americans, free forevermore. How quiet, how quiet the chamber is. How silent, how silent the chamber is. Is anybody there? Does anybody care? Does anybody see? McNair, go ring the bell. Stephen, sit down. No, I want to remember each man's face as he signs. Very well. Mr. Thompson. New Hampshire, Dr. Josiah Bartlett. Massachusetts, Mr. John Adams. Rhode Island. Mr. Stephen Hopkins. Connecticut. Mr. Roger Sherman. New York. Mr. Lewis Morris. New Jersey. The Reverend John Witherspoon. Pennsylvania. Dr. Benjamin Franklin and Mr. James Wilson. Delaware. Mr. Caesar Rodney, Colonel Thomas McCain, and Mr. George Reed. Maryland. Mr. Samuel Chase. Virginia. Mr. Richard Henry Lee. And Mr. Thomas Jefferson. North Carolina. Mr. Joseph Hughes. South Carolina.